Hello and welcome to another episode of The Carl Taylor Show. I am your host, Carl Taylor, and this show is all about sharing the entrepreneurial journey and the lessons, the highs, the lows, everything that happens in between. This is your single audio access to everything Carl Taylor and the various uh, products, courses, trainings, thoughts, everything that kind of comes from me. And now in today's episode, you are listening to an episode of a podcast I recorded with Caleb Lisa. And this podcast was designed for uh, his clients. We were talking where he coaches them on sales. And this conversation went in a really interesting direction. We started off management teams and email overwhelm and inbox zero versus zero inbox. We started really tactical. And then we ended up talking about a lot of self-awareness and ultimately some of the biggest transformations that have happened in my life in the last 12 months or so. And so I really encourage you to listen to this episode from start to finish. It's an incredible episode, lots of great content across all sorts of aspects of business and life. You're going to enjoy it. So let's dig straight in. Calling all entrepreneurs, small business owners, lifelong learners, and people of earth, I'm calling you to step up into the greatest version of you, a happier you, a healthier you, a more loving you, a you that is truly feeling healthy, fulfilled, and alive. My name is Carl Taylor, and I've been building businesses since I was 15 years old. And the one thing that has always, always stood out to me is that running your own business, no matter how successful or not, will be the best personal development journey you ever ever go on. And so in this show, I share with you some of the most important lessons that I've learned and continue to learn on my journey in the hope that it may help you guide you in yours. You're listening to The Carl Taylor Show. Hey, welcome. We've got something uh, really special for you today. We'll be interviewing uh, an an absolute legend by the name of Carl Taylor, who I met uh, at the Black Belt Intensive. And um, Carl runs a business called Automation Agency. And there's a couple of things that I think would really be valuable to talk about today if we even get to them, but more just having a look behind the scenes of what it takes to actually run a really successful uh, business. There's a status within the Black Belt community called Black Belt, um, which is Million Dollar Coaches and Beyond. So Carl absolutely knows his stuff, um, and he's done some pretty cool things with his team. I think I saw him on his Facebook pages, there was like 80 messages from his staff all saying that he's the best boss in the world. So I think um, we can learn a thing or two from how to be a wonderful leader and maybe even more than that. So welcome, Carl. It's great to be here. Thanks for the nice introduction. Yeah, it's more than welcome. Um, I was just, well, let's start there. So one of the first things I saw when we became friends on Facebook was your team. How many do you have on your team? Uh, and about 40. 40, and they were all dropping these incredible messages about how you're the best boss in the world. What's, uh, tell us how that came about, what you're doing uh, to sort of create that, and maybe a little bit about the business if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. So um, it was a surprise. So yeah, what I shared on Facebook around Christmas time, it was a, it was a Christmas surprise from the team uh, that they sent me this poster that they designed for me. So I have a team of probably about 10 graphic designers. So we have a design team. Uh, so we have a few different teams, We've got a design team, a web team who do WordPress, and then we have an automation team who do like Infusionsoft, Entreport, Active Campaign, ClickFunnels, lead pages, all that kind of stuff. And then um, we've got a security team who manage website security and server um, setups. 
and so that's kind of, and then I've obviously got my customer service team and and uh, management team etc but they're kind of like my core delivery teams and so we we've always had this tradition internally at birthdays that we all get together and leave birthday messages and the design team will design up a a card for everyone on their birthday with all these messages so that was a that's a known tradition we've been doing for you know four or five years and uh yeah this was a new one it never happened and just at christmas they they sent me this um poster saying hey we just wanted to let you know how awesome we think you are and uh yeah it was just beautiful really loving from the heart messages from everyone you know some some were being cheeky and funny others were being you know very much you know um, from the heart, but it, it, all of it came from just them just sharing uh, their appreciation, which is, is, I'm really, I'm really grateful myself to know that I've been able to build a culture of such awesome people who have that attitude of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of how it came about. What do you put that down to? Cause that's pretty special. Like I, I remember when I was working my nine to five, <laughs> I would have never done that for my boss. So <laughs> What do you uh, what do you put that down to? Look, I, th- I think in any business, uh, the culture of the company starts from the top down, and so you know, generally, you know, there's usually a certain stage. Like, you know, maybe if, if you're just like in the beginning stages of setting up your business, you know, you might read some books that talk about you need to have a mission statement and culture and values. I think that's a load of crap. Uh, in the beginning, I think there's no need to do that when you're a small team of three or four. Um, but definitely when I started to get to a team of 10, 15, it became really important. We actually had to have a sit down meeting and go, well, what are the values of this company? Mm-hmm. And because it was coming from an initial core team, uh, the values kind of came from us. And so a lot of the company values are actually my own personal values. And, and once we had those values, it gave us a, a blueprint when we were recruiting new people to kind of go, Hey, this is, this is what we expect from you. This is how we are. If you're cool with that, you'll fit in. If you're not cool, you'll leave. Um, and also gave a filtering for, for the person who does all the recruitment. She was able to always be like, do they match our values? Do they show anything that doesn't match our values? So I think a big part of it comes down to knowing what you stand for. And then you kind of permeate that out, whether you do it on purpose or not, like every company has a culture, whether you've Mm -hmm. defined it or not is a different story, but you all have one. And so we just then took the art of going, okay, well, this is what we agreed to. And, you know, um, one of our core values is to, um, you know, to, to be open, honest, and always communicate. And that's a very big core value of mine personally in all my relationships. And it's, it's a key cornerstone inside the business as well. <laughs> and um, yeah, we don't actually have a, we have a value of celebrate the wins, but we don't have a value of like gratitude. I think that's just come from, again, I, even today I did it. Um, just when I genuinely feel grateful for someone, you know, I'll send, I'll send a message to the team and just be like, Hey guys, just really want to let you know that you're all superstars and I really appreciate everything you do. And I think just things like that, just showing that you genuinely see them, you appreciate them. Like I had a, one of my team leads come in and do something on Saturday. Now we don't usually work over the weekend, but he saw me post in a Slack channel about a, an issue that a, a personal friend of mine, who's also a client had told me about. And I just posted it there expecting it to be looked at on Monday and he jumped in on, on Saturday and, and took care of it. And um, so this morning I sent him a message and just said, hey, I just want to really, it's been a while. I just really want to say how much I appreciate everything you do and, and the work you put in. You know, it's, 
it's noticed that you go above and beyond and it's really appreciated. And just little things like that, I think helping people realize that you see them, you appreciate them. You want to help people who help you. And it's, it's, it's genuine from the heart. It's not a manipulation as well. I think that's important to know. Mm. That's beautiful. Like it's, and I don't want to simplify what you've said, but it feels like just bringing the human back to leadership elements of knowing that if that was someone that you did care about outside of the work scenario, you probably would acknowledge them and thank them. So why is it any different at work? Totally. And I think, I think that's it. Like bottom line, what does it come down to care, actually care. And, and then the next thing is communicate that care because you can care. And this is true of all relationships, you know, whether it's your romantic relationships, family relationships, business relationships, you might care, but are you remembering to communicate that? And, I'm, I'm not perfect at this. Like I, I definitely, you know, while I do this, I used to do it a lot more. And over the years I've probably done less because I've got more of a management team in place now. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's being aware and having reminders to go, Oh, have I, have I thanked someone recently? Have I thanked and who have I thanked? Mm. It's beautiful, man. Mm. Very cool. So talk to me, you just mentioned management team. I think one of the other things that captivated my attention is you, there was like this idea, which is inbox zero. And you said, Nask, let's go zero inbox. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about like, because I'm sure people would love to know, how do you kill, how do you kill the inbox? Well, uh, when we're talking killing the inbox, first let's clarify, we're talking about the email inbox. There are still right. other inboxes in my life um, mm-hmm. that you could term them those at least. But it came about uh, because, look, for, for my, my superpower, if you like, is finding ways to remove myself from the things that I don't enjoy doing. So I focus on doing all the things I do enjoy. And usually because the things I enjoy, I'm good at, right? That'd be true for all of us. And so over the years, I've just got really good at figuring out, like, why did I get really good at automation? It's because I knew that I was really bad at being consistent. And the best way to create consistency was if I could put in the work at the beginning where it was fun and then just have it automatically happen consistently all the time, that would make my life easier. That's why I got really good at the kind of marketing automation stuff personally. And so that's kind of flowed off into as I've built teams and I've done things, I've moved from tech automation to people automation. And I found uh, email in particular, very overwhelming. It it was, it, it started a couple of years ago and it was a time in my life when in the business, we were having some troubles, like, you know, our quality had dropped, turnaround times had suffered. And so we had a lot of clients who were not happy. And when you grow really quickly, you know, basically what happened, we had too many clients sign up, then we had staff. And because for us, like we're a, you know, we're not, we're not a software company. It's like, we can unlimitedly scale. It's like, no, every time we add on a certain number of clients, we need to hire and train up more team. And so we kind of went over overboard. And so we've since put in things like a waiting list and a process to, to control that. But that was a time that things were not going great. And so in particular, I had personally in my email inbox, because I give my, this, you know, my email address to every client when they sign up, they get an email to say, hey, this is my personal email if you want to contact me. And uh, I had a number of people saying some really like horrible things like, you know, and I get it. It was, it was bad, but it was overwhelming. If I went into the email inbox, I just hated it. So I was initially like, I'd log into my Gmail, my G suite, and I'd be putting my hands over the screen to block (laughs) the inbox so I could get in just to use the search to find something. Mm. And um, eventually I found a Chrome plugin that 
called Hide Inbox, which does the same thing. So if I ever <laughs> go into my G Suite, I don't have to be covering the screen with my hands. Um, so that was kind of the beginning. And then the next was like, okay, uh, years and years ago, I had an online course. It's still available online. It's a little bit out of date, but the principles are still, um, the, the foundational principles are still valid. And it was called Inbox Domination. And it was all about how do you do Inbox Zero? So Inbox Zero is the idea of, at the end of the day or at the end of the week, there is zero emails left in your inbox. You've actioned everything, whether that was delegating it, whether it was deleting, whether it was replying, whatever it was you chose to do, right? Um, you've, you've handled every email. So now you're kind of, they're, they're archived away or they're deleted or they're, they're handled. And now you, you just got an empty inbox. And that was cool. And I used to do that for a while. But then even that was too much because what is an inbox? It's, it's someone else's to-do list for you. Like you think about any time you ever send someone an email or someone sends you an email, there's always some sort of action they want you to take, whether that's reading the email, whether that's clicking a link, whether that's buying something, whether that's replying, there's some expectation on you to do something. And so it becomes this to-do list of everyone else's to-dos. And so it's very easy for people to live in their inbox and feel like they get nothing done because they did get nothing prior that was a priority done because they were so focused on doing everyone else's to do's. So that was why I was like, okay, how do I just get myself out of email? And it was the hard, it was actually the thing that took the longest to, to remove myself from. I've removed myself from various roles in, in my business over the years, but getting rid of email was the, the hardest one. You know, I read other people's blogs about how they did it and I just didn't agree or, you know, I tried and it didn't work. And it took, took some practice to, to eventually get it to where we are. And, and there's a couple of key principles I'm happy to share. I do have a blog post on, on my carltaylor.com. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I think it we'll actually just it. went live. So yeah, there's, there's a blog post that kind of outlines what it is, but a couple of key principles. The first one is eliminate all internal communication between team members from email. Like why would you, because if, if you need to run your business, be inside your email inbox, you're mixing like prior, high priority conversation team, internal team with a whole bunch of low priority conversation of mm. everyone else asking you to do things. So how do you get that high priority conversation into something where you can be go into it and it's completely you're in work mode. There's no mixing of friends or personal. There's no distractions. There's no Facebook. There's it's all separate. I interrupt this broadcast to bring you an important message to you from me. I want to connect with you more. You see, I think that life without connection is just boring and lonely, and that's not fun for me, and it's not fun for you. So let's connect more and get to know each other better. You can do that over at carltaylor.com slash connect, and we can get all connectory. So I personally use a tool called Slack. We use that in our, in our company. Um, I've always been a big fan of Slack, but there are other tools out there. There's Google Hangouts. There's Microsoft Team, Teams, I think it's called. Um, so, and then you've got other tools like Basecamp and uh, Teamwork PM and things like that. So there are lots of tools out there you could use, but just get some sort of central internal communication for all your team. Could be a WhatsApp group uh, if you're just a small team of three or four people, you know? Um, but get out, of, get out of email. The only time that we'll internally send an email would be if there was some other person CC'd in like, or it was a reply to an, a customer or a partner of some kind. And it just need to have someone internally notified as well. That's the only time that I or someone else would send an internal email. Otherwise it's always uh, Slack is where all our communication is to each other. 
So that's the first thing. And then the second thing would be get all of your client emails out of your inbox. Even if you're a team of just one or two, start now. Don't, don't leave it to a lot later where it becomes harder and you've got to retrain clients. Get them emailing like sales at, help at, support at, hello at, whatever it is, some sort of shared team inbox that multiple people can access. Um, so you can you have that email address connected to um, a, a ticketing platform or some sort of shared inbox tool, something like Freshdesk, which is what I personally use. Mm-hmm. Um, could be something like Help Scout, Intercom, uh, Groove HQ. There's a whole bunch of these types of tools. But the key here is that then when an email comes in, it can be auto-directed to different people uh, or you know, multiple people can reply to that email and the full thread can be seen by everyone. So it's just a way of getting, getting it out of your personal email inbox and, and it avoids things getting missed or if you have a staff member and then that staff member leaves or they're sick or they go on holiday and you find out that clients are pissed off because they've been emailing and getting no reply. Um, so that's the kind of, that's kind of stuff that I would recommend bare minimum people do and that'll make a big difference to your personal inbox. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because the, it sort of removes that human error part where one person is in control of like the whole dialogue and then if they're away, you need an email, but you can't get it. Yep. That's yeah, awesome. people, people are left waiting and you just don't have, you don't have vis- visibility of what's going on in the communication, you know, and, mm. and you've got no audit trails. You, you've, you've just got so much hidden in someone's inbox, whether that's yours or another team member's. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like that risk. And I also don't like it all in my inbox. Cause why do I like to remove me from everything? I tell my team this all the time. I say, I am the bottleneck. I know I'm the bottleneck. How do we remove me from this process to get rid of this bottleneck? Like all the other bottlenecks I, I usually handle quite easily with tech or, or something like that. But usually nowadays, all of the bottlenecks come down to people waiting on me to do something. And so I'm constantly looking at how do I take me out of that process completely so that there's no friction anymore and the team can just get on and do things. And that you can't always do that. There are certain things, decisions, um, things that have to happen that only I can do. And so a more recent thing I've just rolled out in the last few weeks, I call it Operation No Homework. And um, basically, I said to, to my uh, ops manager and my, uh, my assistant, I said, okay, a new rule. Uh, they've dubbed it hashtag no homework. And uh, basically I said, from now on, if you want anything from me, you want me to take an action, you need a decision, anything like that. If any meetings I'm on, there can never be a to-do for me to do after that. Like I'll show up on a call, I'll be there. You have my full and utter presence on that call for however long it is. But after that call is over, I don't want to have to think about that call. I don't want to then be like, oh, now I need to go and do this and do this. There can be to-dos after a call, but that to-do can never have my name next to it. And I said, if you want something for me to do, you schedule a call with me and I'll do it on that call. And sometimes that means that my assistant's literally just sitting there while I'm working away doing something that she's not even involved in. But just the fact that she's booked a call in my calendar, I knew I had to show up at a certain time. I was present. She tells me exactly what I need to do. And then I just get on and do it. And that's, we're still very early into the process, but it definitely seems to be doing what I hoped it would. And that's getting me like flowing on some of the things that the team had been waiting on for a while. And, and I'll give you a bit of backstory about where this came from too. Mm-hmm. So about, hmm, 
about six months ago, seven, seven months ago, maybe I had a long-term relationship come to an end. And um, because of that, the business worked mostly without me anyway. Um, my core role as the CEO and founder is to make decisions and set the direction and, and vision, right? That's the core role mm-hmm. of any, any leader when you truly are a business owner. And when this relationship came to an end, I just was like, all right, I just need some space. I need to disappear. And so I just said to my ops manager, I said, I'm disappearing for a bit. Um, you won't be able to contact me for at least a few weeks. I don't know how long I'll be gone, but you know, I trust you. I know everything will be fine. And I said, worst case scenario, you can always call me. And after a couple of months of being away, three months of pretty well doing no work uh, and just focusing on me, I really was like, oh, the team, the team are doing fine. And so it took probably, it was about probably maybe four or five months in. So only a few months ago, four or five months in that I started get easing into attending team meetings again and getting involved. And I was on our leadership meeting. We always have a agenda item at the beginning, which is to do's. It's like where you just report done, not done. And so yeah. as I keep started showing up to these meetings again, every week, uh, there was always like, here's Carl's to do's done, not done. And I just kept saying, not done, not done not done because yes, I was attending the meetings, but every other day I was still kind of, my mind was just offline. I was still working on just being me and and, and looking after myself. And I'm super grateful that I had a business that would allow me to do that. You know, I, I, I'm very well aware that there's a lot of people who are in business who with a similar situation, whether it's a relationship breakdown, a death in the family, some big tragedy or drama outside of their business world happens. They either just go back to work and distract themselves and never fully kind of process what's happened uh, or they disappear from the business and the business collapses. And so I'm, I'm very grateful that I had built a business that didn't collapse and actually Mm -hmm. thrived quite well without me. Um, But it it kind of got to this point where it's like, all right, I'm feeling bad. I'm not setting a good example for my leadership team right now because I just keep saying not done every meeting to these to do's. And that's when I was like, all right, how do I fix this? What's going to get me to actually do these to-dos? And that's kind of where the operation No Homework came from was get rid of that friction point. That's awesome. And credit to you for actually taking the time to feel through it because it's not, it's not common uh, for successful business owners to actually sit with the feelings of what's going on and give themselves space to process what would typically be a, f- a form of grief of a loss of a, of a loved one. So it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, anyone listening has been through a divorce or a, even a short-term relationship, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's always a, a, a level of grief you go through, whether it's um, yeah, you, you grieve what could have been right. It's not necessarily the person or any, it's, it's you grieve the future you thought you would have. And that's uh some people that takes years and other people it takes months. And, but uh, you gotta, you gotta process. Like, I think I would say like, I'm, I'm well and truly over it now. I feel great. And um, I'm, you know, I feel like it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And exactly, exactly. Not necessarily the best thing that happened, exactly what I needed to have happen. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I hadn't had the ability to disappear for a few months to just really process it properly. I don't think I would be in the situation that I am now. I think I'd potentially be holding on for years and be miserable and yeah, not great. So um, yeah, it's, it is super important to, to process those types of things. I think. 
good on you. One of the things I uh, I saw that you picked up was uh, an exercise regime. Yes. You want to tell us a little bit about that? As in October last year, you've been working out push-ups. I saw a, a video of you. Yes. Tell us yes. Uh, so what happened. This there. actually came about from from Black Belt and Boardroom. So this was March 2019. So this is this. To give this is predates my my relationship ending, but um, I was sitting around in uh, with a group of friends, and over lunch we kind of were starting to share our Ferrari. You know what's what's that thing that we all want? You know, so you're all doing over a million dollars a year, and we're kind of just sit talking about you know what's the thing that when you achieve X success, what's that big dream that you want? What's your Ferrari? None of us wanted Ferraris, but it's just like that was the symbol <laughs> symbol of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one guy, you know, he says he wants a boat and he shows us pictures of this amazing boat, kind of goes around. I shared that I would like to buy uh, a resort either on a private island or, um, you know, in somewhere like Fiji or Cairns or like a tropical resort. I would love to own a tropical resort. Um, And someone else wanted to do Mount Kilimanjaro. And then another guy kind of said, you know, I'd really like to feel sexy in my body. And... um, one of the other, one of the other friends, you know, he's a very fit man, uh, used to be a personal trainer and he said, I could help with that. And then a few others, myself included, kind of raised our hand and said, Hey, like I'd be up for getting mm-hmm. six pack and getting a bit more in shape. And so anyways, he ended up sending us a, 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 a food regime and an exercise regime. And I kind of said to him, I said, Oh, look in the past, I've really struggled to consistently do these things. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll go hard in the beginning and then I lose the consistency. I just don't seem to have the willpower to keep doing it. And he, he patiently listened. He goes, yep, yep, I get it. Because this is before he set the plan to us. Mm-hmm. Anyways, a couple of days later, he sends through the plan. And in the message, it says, I know a few of you talked about willpower and not sure if you've got the willpower. Let me tell you, it's got nothing to do with willpower, all to do with self-love. If you love yourself, then you'll do what it takes that was just a smack in the face to me. Like that hit me hard in the right places. It just made me look at myself and go, yeah, like if I love myself, I'm going to look after this body. That's the only one I have, you know, science hasn't yet found a way to transplant brains. So, or consciousness. So I have to assume lived in this, lived in this particular, you know, vehicle. So, what am I going to do to look after it and make sure that it's running smoothly? And so I just, I looked at the, the fitness routine that was sent to us and there was a couple, there was gym routines and then there was some um, body weight workouts. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I travel a lot. I know myself quite well. I think self-awareness is super important in business. Like mm-hmm. the more you get to know who you are and what you will and won't do, the edge you'll get because then you just build a conducive environment to work towards your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, I went, okay, if I know that I, anything that could become an excuse, like, Oh, I have to go outside, put on shoes, clothes, go to the gym. There's mm-hmm. a chance. There's a chance that I can't just, if I, if it, if it becomes, I can't just wake up in the morning and go <laughs> and do the workout. Like it'll, it'll end up not happening. 
And I, I proved that to myself a couple of months ago when I decided I'd start going to the gym rather than just doing bodyweight workouts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there were a number of days I woke up going, oh, I'm going to go to the gym today, so I won't do my bodyweight workout. Well, the day went by and I never made it to the gym that day. So I've stuck to just bodyweight workouts. I was like, okay, wake up, don't even put clothes on, like just wake up and do my workouts, 20 minutes. As soon as I've done my workout, I do a 13-minute meditation, then I have a shower and then I cook breakfast. Like that's, that's now become my morning routine. I do that six days a week working out. Different, I rotate my different workouts between an upper body and a, and a, and a lower body and abs. But like that has had a huge transformation into my fitness. I also make sure I do two 10-minute walks every day. And um, that plus the food where I've cut out sugar, I've cut out alcohol. I haven't touched alcohol since, since March 2019. Um, most carbs, like all these things, I've just, I've just tr- dramatically changed my, um, my go- I went And let me give context too. Like I've always been a skinny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I used to struggle to put on weight, but I was never, I've never really been a muscly guy. And I've always kind of been skinny fat. Like on the outside, I don't look all that fat, but like, you know, I wasn't necessarily healthy on the inside and I was doing no exercise. Like I was a, not a slob, but I didn't exercise basically for years. So this is a big transformation to go from zero exercise for years to working out every day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel amazing, man. I feel I'm in the best shape physically. Um, I feel fit and healthy and yeah, there's, I have no plans to, to stop. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, that was that was something that fascinated me. I went along. For those of you who don't know, Black Belt is a mastermind for coaches wanting to go to six to seven figures. It's run by a guy called Taki Moore, who's just absolute legend. Um, if you want to know more, just let me know, and I'll hook you up uh, with someone that can tell you about all the details. But I went the first intensive that I went along to in Mar- uh, November, where I met Carl. I was hanging out with some of the black belt people and I was really surprised at the conversation. So like from the outside in, I was like, Oh, it must all be about, they must be talking about business 24 seven. And, um, we went out for burgers <laughs> and, um, the main topic of conversation was sleep. Everyone had these Aurora rings and they were talking about energy and productivity rather than any kind of tactical or business sort of conversations. And to me, that was, a, that was so surprising. But the further I look up the chain at the more and more successful people, um, they have a value and they place an importance and priority on energy, well-being, and vitality. So it's just, um, yeah. It sounds well, if, like that's uh, if, what... you, if you think about it, like if you're going to be able to make it through the highs and lows of business, right, and you, you want to be in the best mental shape you want to be in the best physical shape you want to be getting enough sleep so you're making good decisions because if you're making a bad decision like or um, a kind of a sleep at the wheel decision that can have very big consequences and when you, you know in the beginning stages where maybe you're not making a lot of money you know it might be frustrating but they don't have the same impact whereas you know you're doing a million dollars or more sometimes that bad decision is going to cost you a million dollars or more you know, so it, you, you want to be looking after yourself. And I think also the other thing I've, I've noticed too is that when, 
and I wish it didn't, it, well, it didn't work like this, but from my experience personally and from people in my, my world that I see, usually it takes people getting to a certain point in business, uh, what I call an actual business owner. Cause I, I think a lot of people call themselves business owners are actually business operators. And yep. when you become a true business owner, where you know the money you earn from the business is not tied directly to you and the when you kind of get to this point where you've got a certain level of financial freedom i guess it gives you the mental space to start looking at yourself far more holistically because before that at least in my own experience like it's so the goal was like i need to make this much money i need to make this much money i need to get to this point um just to kind of survive to feel secure whatever and not, it doesn't happen to everyone. There's still many people who are doing multi-million dollars that are still addicted and pursuing the, oh, I need to make this much money. I need to make this much money, mm-hmm. uh, which that's fine. I don't personally uh, subscribe to that attitude, but you know, it's mm-hmm. fine for them. Um, but it, you get to this point where all of a sudden now you kind of go, okay, how do I be an all-round decent human being like where am i off balance all right i'm mastering i'm going great in this business world i'm doing pretty good in the money world great but how are my relationships doing how's my health doing right how's my emotional well-being and that's definitely been like the last probably two years now uh i've really been focused on those particular areas where you you, i started to look at well how is my relationship Uh, how is my you know, ability to handle stress. Like, okay, I've kind of been in stress mode and I've built a business to this point because of that stress mode. And it's, um, I don't know if you've got rules around swearing, but no, uh, no, go for it. So like, anyway. you know, I, I, have, I have a state that I, I haven't been in for a while, but I have a state with my, my coach <laughs> that I, I labeled the oh shit state. And it's mm. a certain state that often when I get super stressed, uh, I would go into this, what I call oh shit state, which is a highly, productive state for me like i'm really really productive i'm making decisions Mm. fast i'm moving but it is super stressful it wears out my body like crazy um my heart's beating fast there's my shoulders are tense Mm. Uh, i'm very clear but it's not sustainable and nearly any time i have an oh shit state that lasts for more than a day uh, i'll end up really sick afterwards i'll end up down for like a week with a cold Mm. or flu now, I haven't had that state for probably about two, two years now because I got to a point where I was like, okay, now I'm going to learn on how to be more present, be more calm. Mm-hmm. How, can I, how can I have that clarity and the ability to make decisions without being in that state? And so now I have what I call my Superman state. And the Superman state is kind of where it's present, strong, determined, you know, not going to be screwed with, uh, won't be pushed over, knows what he wants, knows where he's going. And that's, that's the state that if I get into that, I can make those same great decisions, but a far more calm doesn't have that same stress on the body. So those are kinds of things that I found that when you truly get to that owner level, uh, there's a certain percentage of, of people who make that leap. They then start looking for more outside of the business world. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I just wish more people didn't have to get, leave it so long before they started exploring those areas of, of the balance of their lives. I think it was Jim Carrey that said, I wish everyone could become rich and famous so that they realize that that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, Cause he's got, he's gone through a bit of a awakening. Um, Absolutely. Can we go a little esoteric? Sure. I'm all for esoteric. So, good. <laughs> so what, so what is it then? Like what's, 
what's beyond the Ferrari? I think the beyond the Ferrari comes down to figuring out your kind of your life purpose. And I, I, I believe we all have one. And I believe that we all intuitively deep down know what that is. Um, we just don't generally get to a certain state where we're able to access what it is. And it's taken me a while. Um, as I said, the last two years in particular has been a real challenge. Like it's a challenging journey because, and I know how this can come across to some people. Um, but like when I realized I was financially retired, so when I re- when I effectively realized that I had passive income coming in from various sources, this is outside of the business mm-hmm. that if, if I shut down my business, completely, I would still be able to live very comfortably. And when I realized that, and I didn't realize that, it took a while before I sat down and went, oh, actually. But when I realized that, a huge amount of my motivation and drive to grow the business stopped. Mm. And all of a sudden, I, I, I kind of was like, well, what's the point? Like, what making another 100 grand, like, what's that going to do for me? What, what's mm. the point? And so it's taken probably two years for me to start to really piece back together a purpose, a why, why do I want to keep doing this? And a shift of a shift of my own personal needs away from significance and ego to, mm. you know, connection and contribution. How do I, how do I connect with other people, my family, um, my, my future partner, um, myself, my friends, my clients, my staff, and how do I contribute? And so I've been out of now shift and go, okay, well, making more money is an opportunity to contribute more. Growing the business is an opportunity more clients we bring on, the more people we employ, which contributes to their lives and not just their lives, but their families' lives. So these are some of the shifts that I've been able to start making those connections. So I think it comes down to figuring out your purpose and what those driving core needs are for you. And it's going to be different at different stages of your journey. Like I've definitely gone through the journey where my highest need was to feel significant and important. And we all, and we all need that to some degree. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like there's a big portion of society now due to social media, reality TV and various other aspects of of life that there is a big segment of our population now that are very significance driven. And Mm -hmm. as someone who's been there, it's not in my experience been very fulfilling. You constantly Mm -hmm. like what Jim Carrey would be talking about too. You're constantly chasing that next high that, Oh, if I do this, then I'll get this applause or I'll get noticed and all these amazing things will happen. And then you get there and that amazing thing either didn't happen or it happened a little bit. And then, you know, a couple of days, if you're lucky, go by and you feel great. And then all of a sudden it's like, I need the next thing now. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, it's been shifting away from that and just really going, okay, what is the purpose of my life? And I came up with, I went to a Tony Robbins date with destiny back in May last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever done a Tony Robbins course? Not yet, but I, his uh, awaken the giant within was my Bible for the yeah. better part of two years. <laughs> yeah. See, and see, it's even fascinating to me to look at Tony and you see his journey of when he's moved through from significance, being his highest value to being connection and contribution, being his highest needs. Like you can mm-hmm. see it in his career path and even in the content he puts out, you know, um, because there's, you know, there's, and it's just these different aspects that you go through. And so at Date With Destiny, 
he got us to figure out our, our purpose. And I've, I've done purpose exercises all the time. I've done various things that's going to help you find your why. And here's how you're going to find what drives you. And I tried them all and they were always very surface level. And what Tony did at the event really was he just got you into a really good centered state. Right. And so I don't know if, if you're listening, you know, it might be like, what does he t- keep talking about these states? Think of a state as a way you feel, right? Like it's a, it's almost like a programmed, like you have a state of anger, you have a state of sadness, you have a state of joy. And when you access those states, you hold yourself, your body holds yourself a certain way. You think that certain ways you've got um, these maybe tingles in parts of your body, like your heart beats a certain um, rhythm. You breathe a certain rhythm. It's either shallow or deep, um, short or long breaths. Mm-hmm. So we have these kind of combinations and, and there'd also be chemicals in your brain that are combining to help create these emotional states as well. So we've got, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about state. And so he got me into a really like present peaceful state. You could maybe even call it like a state of gratitude and love. Mm. Uh, at least for me, it's very similar to, to that kind of feeling in my body. And he then gets us to fill in these sheets of paper. And one of the questions on the piece of paper is the purpose of my life is dot, dot, dot. And then you've got to fill in the rest. And he said, what I want you to do is, and he took us through an exercise to get us really state. He's like, what I want you to do is just write. Don't think about what you're going to write, just write. And so it was the closest thing I've ever done to what some people refer to as automatic writing. The idea of where like, you know, you let your brain disconnect and your hand just moves. It was close to that. And I just wrote the purpose of my life is to be a guiding light leading others to their greater selves. Mm. And like, even as I say that now, like it just feels so congruent and true for me. And it's since identifying that it started to help me focus on, well, what am I going to do next? How do I do that? How am I showing up with that? Who am I being a guiding light? How do I do that? Um, you know, being on a podcast like this is part of me being able to do that just by sharing my own story. You know, I'm not necessarily telling you what to do. I'm just sharing my own story as a potential guiding light of either a warning or an example, right? I'm either a warning, (laughs) don't do this, or I'm an example, do this. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's been pretty amazing for me, man. And, uh, I wish I could say it's, I could tell you, you could just go and do that. And I recommend (laughs) trying, but I think a big part of it was just being able to drop all the chatter in my head to mm-hmm. just have that come out. And I, I think that all of us, I think you know what yours is. I think everyone listening, you know what yours is. You just maybe have too much noise going on that you haven't yet accessed it. That's beautiful. I, uh, I really love that distinction. Like the, the reason why we can't find it is there's too much noise. And this. I, again, in the last six months, one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for the end of my relationship um, is not because of anything about her, but because of the journey it sent me on. And mm. it made it took a bunch of different things that I th- kind of theoretically knew over the last 10 years Uh, that I'd learned a lot of, and it made me have to integrate them into who I was. I had to actually take it from a surface level knowing to a deep, I know this shit. Mm. And um, when I was able to integrate those things, one of the biggest things that I've been practicing, not just through my meditation, but outside is truly being present in the here and now, the moment and switching off 
that chatter in the brain and realizing that any thought that you have that is not about the here and now, like labeling something in the here and now and going, oh, I can hear the birds chirping, right? That thought, that's a here and now thought. But any other thought about the past or about the future are, are hallucinations. They don't exist. They, your memory of the past does not exist. You're, you're creating a hallucination of what you think the scenario was. It's not a factual replay of how it actually went. If you hallucinate about the future, you are hallucinating about a potential future that may or may not happen, right? And, and so when you start to realize that that's all it is, that it's all made up in your own mind and that the only thing that truly exists is here and now, for me at least, it's really helped me to be able to turn that off and come back to this moment. And mm. when you do that, the noise disappears. And when the noise disappears, at least for me, I, I had a lot of anxiety. I was bullied as a kid. Like I was not a confident, successful person, um, well, at least by my standards as a, as a young kid. Mm. And I pretty, had a pretty horrible um, high school journey, but it made me who I am. But what I realize now that I'm able to truly be present is I realized that for most of my adult life, I was living with a certain level of anxiety, just an underlying level of anxiety that was there all the time in conversations with people, uh, whether that was clients or staff uh, making decisions. So it was just this underlying anxiety that was just always there. And it's mm -hmm. gone now because I know, and, or if it comes back, I notice it because I've been able to now access a state that doesn't have it. And that's, that was the only time I realized that it was there was when it was no longer there. All of a sudden I was like, Oh, this feels different. This feels lighter. And um, so, yeah, I'm, you know, I don't think everyone's walking around with the same anxiety that I had, mm -hmm. although maybe they are, but I think when people can, when you can learn to really just turn off that noise in your head and come back to now you, you access a, a greater part of you. And I think a more, a more wise self, I guess, who can make just better decisions. Mm. I've been, um, and I, yeah, I, I think, I think everyone is, and there's, there's two people that come to mind when I first studied to become a coach, there was um, a guy called Joe Pane and he's, I think he's quoted it from a book. I can't quite remember. So if I butcher this, apologies guys. Uh, it's, everyone is living a life of quiet desperation. And there's just this sort of like mild bubbling below the surface of a, is there more than this? Is there more than this? Um, and I think people realize that at different stages in the journey, you know, there's, there's more than just the business or there's more than the Ferrari, whatever that looks like. And I don't think I'd ever be as so arrogant as to say, I found it. I think, like these layers to it, these pockets to it, um, where you find it and then you're like, yeah, that's it. And then you do it and it brings you joy. And then you find another pocket of it that gets deeper and it sort of expands. So like for me, I kind of feel like purpose is it's, it's like an evolution. It evolves. You do more into it and then it expands and it, it shines a different light. Like, oh, I could have never thought about that 10 years ago or a year ago. It's in a similar direction, but it's slightly different totally i think that's a good distinction too is yeah different phases of your journey different seasons if you want to call it that mm -hmm. you potentially have different purposes right like if you're in hustle mode trying to build a business maybe yeah. your purpose is to put food on the table right like is to get this thing 
operating so that you're able to provide for yourself or your family. And that's a great purpose to have. Um, and then once mm. you kind of get to that point, the, the purpose might evolve. Yeah. And it's, I think people have an unhealthy attachment to purpose. Like mm. I only have one. Mm. Well, you might, you might have more than one at different phases. I have a friend at the moment who his business is ticking along, just got out of a long-term relationship and um, he's, he's just studying like social skills. So how to meet women and, and that kind of thing. And we had a phone call the other day and all he's doing is just meeting women, having fun with women. And he's like, you know, I just, I feel like I meant to have a bigger purpose in this. And I was like, but what if right now your purpose was just to have fun, keep your business ticking along. And that was your purpose for right now. You, you know, like you might do this for the next six months and then decide that there's a bigger purpose in this. But I think this attachment to like, I have to find my greatest life purpose right now in this moment. I think the more that we're, I think it's a wonderful idea, but I think the, the harder we are attached to that, the harder it is to access. I think I, I, I agree with you to, to some extent, like, like I agree that you know, there's definitely value in him enjoying the phase and season of his life. He's in where he's developing great new skills to have deeper and richer connections with someone it'll be uh, a better fit for him in the future. I definitely see the value of that. I don't know if I agree with going, oh, it's his purpose. Like it might be his priority and his focus. Uh, I, I still do personally believe in this kind of greater purpose, but I agree with you that there shouldn't be an attachment. I think I've found at least for me that generally when you attach to anything, that is when suffering occurs, right? Like, as soon as you set a goal, the moment you set a goal, there's nothing wrong with goals. I love goals. My first book was all about goals. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you set a goal and you go, this is how it must be, there is power in that, as Tony Robbins would even talk about, in it becoming like burn the boats and it's the only way. But it also, if it becomes the only way, it can. if you don't achieve it, it causes suffering and pain. Mm right? Because you're so attached to that outcome. Whereas if you set the goal and go, cool, this is my preference. This is where I want to go. This is what I'm hoping for. This is what I believe in. But you're also going, well, even if I don't get there, the journey is going to be amazing. And the growth I'm going to go through is going to be so serving to me that if I don't like, you can remove that suffering that if you don't achieve the goal that you're like a miserable person, because you'd have, because you, maybe you set a goal that was just unreachable based on the knowledge and skills you have right now. And so you needed to continue through, learn some more skills before you'd be ready to, to achieve that goal. So I agree that getting so clear on, I need to know my purpose. What if you trusted that you already do that deep down on an unconscious level, even if it's not conscious deep down, you already know what your greater purpose is and you are always finding ways to align back to that Maybe you get off track, but eventually something happens, something comes up, whether that's a deep yearning inside you, whether that's a deep, um, yeah, whether that's a deep yearning to kind of start your business or whether that's a deep yearning to change your relationship. Um, there's, I, I, I feel that there's wisdom inside us that will help you know when you're kind of off that greater purpose, even if you don't know what it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, well said. Yeah, well said, well said. It's almost the the way I think about it is, you know, it's the balance between that masculine and feminine energy. 
mm. where the masculine needs a, a general direction to go and the feminine energy needs space to kind of journey on the way there. Mm. And I think if, you know, if we accept that there's a purpose instilled inside of us and we allow ourselves to ask the questions and at the same time give ourselves space and, and a little bit of freedom to explore what that is without this heavy attachment to you need to know it right now, I think we'll end up feeling more connected to a purpose or at least give ourselves more space to find it. Yeah, well said. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Well, that feels like a natural conclusion <laughs> to this uh, conversation that we've had today. We've just gone from building the business all the way up to purpose. Uh, is there anything else that you you feel like you want to add to that? Look, you know, I, I, I just, I think that business is the best personal development journey you can ever go on. And, mm. you know, and wherever you're up to in your journey, like just... If, if you truly feel that yearning that, yes, this is for me succeeding in business, you know, like keep at it. Um, and if you're already amazingly successful and you're making all this money, like I've got some friends that are making ridiculous amounts of money, far more than me, um, but they're not happy. They're not fulfilled and they keep chasing more. So if you're at that point where you're like, yeah, I'm still I'm smashing my goals, but I just, something's missing. Maybe take a look at what else, you know, is maybe out of balance and how you can look at other areas of your life as well. Um, but if you're still in that kind of build mode, stick at it, keep going, do, do what you, you need to do what you want to and just enjoy the journey because yeah, I remember when I was 20, 21, I had a mentor say to me, I can teach you to get rich quick. As long as your definition of quick is 10 years, because it'll <laughs> take you nine and a half years of learning and six months of implementation. And it's so true. It took me more than 10 years. It took me about 15 years, I think, 14, 15 years. But the, the six months of implementation was 100% true. Like when everything kind of just clicked and the learning finally was integrated and I just implemented, it just exploded. And um, so just keep that in mind that if you're currently trying all this stuff and it's just not working, keep at it. Just keep going and trust that eventually something's going to click and it'll be that six months of implementation moment for you. And you'll be like chalk and cheese about the, the world, the life and world you're living. In. That's so cool. I, I love that quote. That's amazing. It's going in my uh, quote book. <laughs> <laughs> every, every coach has a, has a book full of quotes and metaphors. My clients will be able to attest <laughs> to Caleb's killer metaphors. So that's going in. It's awesome. Thank you for sharing it. My um, how do we, if people want to reach out to you, contact you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So there's, there's probably two ways. Um, one, you can find me at carltaylor.com and, um, yeah, that's, that's where you can kind of find out what I, what I'm up to and connect with me. Uh, the other one is I have a free Facebook group. It's called entrepreneurs by the pool. It's basically for entrepreneurs that are, you know, hungry to grow, but they're, they're people who want to go for me that they're currently operators and they want to become owners or they're people who are owners who are now looking to kind of be that rising tide that lifts all boats and, and make their business be something that creates more. So um, you can find that at carltaylor.com forward slash pool P O O L. That's uh, how you can kind of connect with me. 
So these links will be in the description, guys. So you can just click in and uh, go visit Carl. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you, my man. Thank you for your vulnerability and really holding nothing back. I, I really felt like we got to get to know you um, yeah, quite intimately it. today. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb, for having me on. You've been listening to The Carl Taylor Show, and I'm so grateful that you're here right now. Now, if you've liked this episode and would like to hear more from me, then there's two simple actions to take right now. Step one, click subscribe on whatever device you're listening to this on right now so that you can get notified about future episodes. So go on, do it right now. Find that subscribe button and click it. Step two, now that you've done that, is visit me over at carltaylor.com. On the website there, you'll be able to find the show notes from today's episode, as well as all the previous episodes, plus details on how to get copies of my books, details on how to get in contact with me, and so much more. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that I'm so grateful that you are here. It's an absolute honor to be a part of your journey. And until next time, just be happy, be healthy, be fulfilled, but most importantly, be awesome.